Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is your friday night smackdown post show for november 4th 2022 i'm your host jd from new york as always coming to you from the ots venue thank you guys so very much for joining me on your friday evenings wherever you may be smackdown tonight man decent showing for wwe right before crown jewel wwe's in saudi arabia right now we are getting ready for Crown Jewel tomorrow afternoon. Big show tomorrow afternoon. I will be live after Crown Jewel is over. So make sure you guys, if you are not watching, and there will be a lot of people not really paying attention to the show. You may be working. You may just not want to watch because of the WWE Saudi deal. You might not agree with it. You might not believe in it. I got you covered tomorrow afternoon as soon as the show is over. So make sure you keep an eye out for the notifications when I go live. But as far as SmackDown goes tonight, man, I thought tonight was a, a very good show. I wouldn't say it was a great show, but I thought it was a very good show. There was a lot to the show that I actually liked, including that Intercontinental Championship match between Gunther and Rey Mysterio. I am loving what... I was a big fan of Gunther before he even got called to the main roster. I was... One of the many people terrified about what Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard was going to do to Gunther. Now, I remember back when they had the name change and everybody, including me, was up in arms. How could you do it? Why would you do it? It doesn't make sense. Blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. I, I think that, that anger and that frustration is kind of gone. And I think the name has kind of settled in as far as Gunther is concerned. But there's no way Vince and Bruce would have even come close to the Intercontinental Championship. The way Triple H is using the Intercontinental Championship, there's no way that Bruce and Vince would have even come close to booking the title this way. And it's not even that overly complicated. It's organic. It feels natural. And Gunther is being booked like a dominating figure. And tonight's match proved... Even more so, and I love these David. This was a true David versus Goliath match. And I love when they just work out organically. Just Rey Mysterio is 40, going off 48, 49 years old, I believe. He is still amazing at what he does. And he's in there against Gunther, and they had a very good match. I would say great match. And that's the type of match that I want main eventing SmackDown. That's the type of match I want, I want main eventing any wrestling show, whether it's Raw, Dynamite. Or Friday Night SmackDown. The IC title is in such a good place right now. And it's exciting to really see this because it's the one title that's synonymous with my childhood. I mean, I, I looked up to Bret Hart. I looked up to Shawn Michaels. I looked up to Mr. Perfect, Razor Ramon, Goldust, all, all those guys that just looked absolutely stunning with the Intercontinental Championship. And Gunther is really making it a 
prestigious title again. Triple H is putting the machine behind it and making it a prestigious title again, man. I love it, and I can't wait to see how he even further, you know, makes it prestigious and this title reign, how deep it goes and what happens when we're nearing the end of it, how how superhuman Gunther is going to be and who he's going to drop that title to. I know I already talked about I'd love to see Sheamus get that championship, and I'd love to see Sheamus and Gunther one more time in a third and final match at WrestleMania. So we will see what happens with that, and I'm loving everything that's going on with the IC title, and they had a tremendous main event tonight that I really thought capped off what was a very good SmackDown. L.A. Knight. He's another big talking point for me. I'm a big L.A. Knight guy. I think whatever he is doing right now is going to only get better. I think starting off with somebody like Ricochet and kind of easing him in after that failure of the Maximum Male Models group, I think that's great. And we got a huge super chat already. You guys have been absolutely amazing all week, man. Thank you so much. The one called Sash. The one called Sash. He says, hey, JD, just dropping a gift just to prove a point to your mod, Hula Grimm. I don't know what the point is, but uh, I think the point is from you to me, Sash. I appreciate you, or me to you, I should say. I appreciate you, bro. That's incredibly generous of you. I appreciate you being here, man. Thank you so much for being in the venue tonight. We have LA Knight on SmackDown, and I honestly think that he's going to be a major player on this show. Starting him off with somebody like Ricochet is a great idea. Ricochet is so good. He makes everybody look good. So a first feud with Ricochet is the right way to go, in my honest opinion. He's going, to be the, he's going to be a great addition to the roster. He's going to be a great heel. He may be in the upper echelon top three heels in WWE when we start to get this LA Knight train rolling. And I'm loving what we're seeing already. And we'll talk about uh, a little bit more in depth what I think of LA Knight tonight as well. This may be the one of the best decisions that Triple H has done since he's taken over for Vince McMahon. And Rampage tonight. AW Rampage tonight. I did watch Rampage. I felt like I had to just because of Shibata being on the show, wrestling Orange Cassidy. I didn't really want to miss it. I know the community was very excited to see Shibata in the United States for the first time in five years. I believe he's had two matches already since coming back from that near-death injury that he suffered, headbutting Okada that left him immobile and near-death, concussion-related he looked fantastic tonight. I'm not really overly familiar with Shibata because I don't really dabble in New Japan, but I thought he looked fantastic tonight. And Orange Cassidy, man, I love Orange Cassidy. Been a fan of uh, OC since day one. I know TK is a fan of OC, has been uh, for uh, the duration of AEW. He was one of the guys that TK kind of put trust in immediately. And OC, man, constantly handing out L's to everybody. Man, you love to see it, right? You know, how many people does he anger coming out without the championship around his waist or his shoulder, but he comes out with the fucking backpack and the title in his backpack? How many people does that piss off? Good. Good. He's somebody that knows his gimmick, and I love it. I thought they had a very good match to open uh, Rampage tonight, and I thought Rampage overall was better than Dynamite, which I thought was an absolute misfire for Tony Khan, one of the very few misfires for TK in AEW, and I thought Rampage was better than Dynamite tonight. And then we got that Ring of Honor main event, another ROH main event, and we got some matches booked for Full Gear, 
Some more announcements as far as matches are concerned that we got the entire Eliminator Tournament as well announced. Lance Archer is in there. Ricky Starks is in there. So we'll dabble with some Rampage right at the top. I'm not going to do a full-fledged review. I'll just go over what I thought in uh, rapid-fire uh, fashion about Rampage. But I thought it was better than Dynamite tonight, and hopefully they rebound with Dynamite next week on TBS. But I thank you guys so much for joining me here on the podcast, guys. It's been a tremendous week. Outside of all the bullshit, outside of all the vile and disgusting things that have been said about me unfairly, uh, I appreciate uh, the beacon of light that is you guys, man, and some of the fucking logical ones in the community. I appreciate you guys very much. And we kind of capped off what has been a very tumultuous week. Last night, Thursday night, sat right in this chair, no venue. We didn't want to go with the venue. Just me and my old fashioned. And Don Tony, I can't thank enough, man. Don Tony is an absolute consummate professional at what he does. A great guy is Don Tony. He's got my utmost respect. And he does an absolutely fantastic job with what he does. 25 years in the game. You can learn a thing or thing or 10 from Don Tony. Um, I thank him for bringing me on and kind of stripping me down and presenting me away from OTS, away from the OTS venue, away from what I do here, stripping me down to give you guys a glimpse into who I actually am, how I actually speak, how I actually operate in real life. And that's what that show was. It was not intended to be that way, but it was... Cleansing, to say the least. We talked a lot of wrestling. We talked about all of the major stories coming out of both AEW and WWE, and we did address the elephant in the room, which was the disgusting act of the AEW women's locker room and the fans to gang up on me and attack me wrongfully. And he gave his opinion on that, but it was a tremendous show, man. We went three hours last night. It's on his YouTube channel, and I urge you, if you haven't watched it yet, go and check it out. It is absolutely worth the listen. And I want to thank him once again. I would absolutely be up for another roundtable discussion or anything involving Don Tony, man. It was a fantastic time, and I want to thank him once again for bringing me into his family and giving me that time on the Forbidden Door podcast last night. I want to thank everybody coming out of our AEW Dynamite review, man. It's probably one of the most viewed AEW Dynamite reviews that Jesse and I have done for obvious reasons. And it goes to show you that I honestly think more people agreed with us than disagreed with us. We had more people watching that Dynamite review than people in attendance at Dynamite, which is crazy. But again, man, I appreciate all of the support. I appreciate everything you guys done. I want to shout out all the people that donated to the show. Osequi with not only Super Chats to me, but to Jesse and everybody else that's had donated big time on the Dynamite Post Show, man. You guys, I love you guys dearly. And without you guys, the show is nothing. So thank you guys very much for that. And I think we're going to move on from this, man. I had my fun with it. I want to get back to business. Tonight, we're going to get back to business. Tonight, we're going to give you a great show. Saturday afternoon, Crown Jewel, we're going to give you a great show. And Sunday, I'll be live with Off The Script 451. We got tons of news to go over, man, so... 
Make sure you guys tune into that VIP only on Sunday, 8 p.m. You guys know the deal. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Links are down below in the description. I have new merchandise coming. I have new merchandise coming within the next week or so, man. I've collaborated with somebody, a relative unknown, but man, do they do fantastic fucking work. And you guys are going to love this, man, because this is not just any type of merchandise, okay? I do want to get merchandise made from whatever came out of the uh, Jade Cargill situation. I'd love to get somebody to design me uh, 41 and 1, the 1 in 41 and 1, or something like that, as a limited edition for this week before she has her match against Nyla Rose. I'd love to get something like that out. I'd love to get something with, for the, for the love of God, please no, or please for the love of God, no, I want to get that on a t-shirt. You know, it's, uh, it, it's something that, is going to resonate with me for a very long time. Something that's going to resonate with the community for a very long time. I feel like anytime Jade Cargill is in a tweet from AEW that people are going to post that. Kind of want to make fun of it, man, you know? But as far as merchandise goes, man, we're collaborating with somebody. It's a relatively unknown company. But, they, man, they, they, they do fantastic work. And that's what I love uh, about this collaboration most. I want to get you guys known to their skill and to their talent, man. And it's going to be a limited release. This is going to be based off of what I say in the intro, man. What the fuck are you guys drinking? Cold beverage. Think of cold beverage. I love my cold beverages, man. You guys know I love my craft beer. You guys know I love my old fashions. It's going to be based around that. There's a certain theme to it. It's going to be an exclusive release. You're only going to have two weeks to buy it. And then it's going away. So there's your teaser. I'll put something else up this weekend just to give you guys a glimpse of what's going on. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. Hopefully you guys are around to support that. It's going to be really, really special. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Very important to turn on the notifications, man. We're going to be live tomorrow afternoon for uh, Crown Jewel, so you're going to want to be in the know. Go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. Tons of it. Tons of opinion. Tons of opinion. And today's show is sponsored by Honey. Join honey.com slash off the scripts. Make sure you guys download the free web browser. Start saving some money with Honey. And as well, Super Chats are open. Get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show. Give me your opinion, man, via the Super Chats. Love the support and the memberships always open, always accepting applications to the VIP club. We already got four tonight, man. We got BJ LJ, new member. Willie Goat, new member. Jamarcus Shaw with a new member. And Nicholas, Nicholas T with a new member. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate you all very much. And thank you for being here on Off the Script. Jesse talking about what is Jesse talking about, man? Jesse's talking about feet. We still on this feet thing, bro. We got a nice sky blue appearance, bro. And you're talking about me supposedly loving Tony Storm's feet, bro. Come on. Come on, man. Nobody wants to hear about that. You're gonna get me canceled all over again, bro. Give me a break. Anyway, go to his channel. Go cancel him. I didn't say it. Now, we don't want to cancel Jesse. We love Jesse. Anyway, let's get into SmackDown. SmackDown was taped tonight. SmackDown was taped tonight, so you got your uh, 
crowd sitting there like, you know, they had to sit through four hours of wrestling, right? So you know that they're dead tired and nobody wants to sit through, especially four hours of wrestling that consists of the same show, right? So nobody wants to sit through that. You got your piped in crowd noise. You got a lot of piped in crowd noise. But at the end of it all, through it all, it's a good show. It was a good show. The substance of the show was very good. And we got, to start the show tonight, we got Liv Morgan and Sonya Deville in a no disqualification match. Now, you know, the narrative is out there, which I, I, I don't understand. I don't really understand. And Jesse says, I'm doing a fantastic job of getting myself canceled. Bro, I'm not going to get canceled. You can't cancel me for my wrestling opinion, bro. It's not like I'm fucking spreading uh, misinformation out there about uh, everything else that's going on in the world, bro. Um, listen, I don't know where this narrative is coming from that I don't appreciate or I don't support women's wrestling where I'm a sexist and all these things, all these false narratives. You know, anybody that watches my show knows that I'm a huge fan of several of the women in WWE. Asuka, Sasha. I mean, I love that woman. I love that woman dearly. Sasha Banks, Bailey, right? We love Bianca to an extent. Some, she was getting a little, uh, a little played out a little bit, but you can't deny how great Bianca Bella. Shayna Baszler is another one, right? Liv Morgan is a favorite of everybody. I, I get that Liv Morgan is a favorite of everybody. There's just something about Liv Morgan that I truly do not get. Something about Liv Morgan that I, and listen, I say this about a lot of things. I don't get it. I don't know if it's missing something. I say the same thing about damage control. They are missing something, okay? I don't know what Liv Morgan is missing. She's missing that extra oomph from my point of view. She is very good. And she's gotten a lot better. I wouldn't say she's one of the top talents in the division. She's a, she, to me, Liv Morgan is a, is a solid, and I don't mean this. With all due respect to Liv Morgan, I don't mean this in any disrespectful way. Liv Morgan is, to me, I would have my starting lineup of five. Liv Morgan would be my second string. She would be on my bench. Right? You got your Sashas. You got your Charlottes. You got your uh, Biancas and your Oscars and your Rios and your Baileys. Right? Liv Morgan would be on my bench. She would be a nice sixth, seventh, eighth string player, okay? And I mean that in no disparaging way whatsoever. That's just the way I see her. She's missing that extra oomph. I honestly think her offense is not impactful enough for me to believe in what Liv Morgan is doing. I honestly think Liv Morgan goes in there and... Some of what she does, about half of what she does, is fluff. Now, I also don't get that Liv Morgan is trying to find this, this inner extreme, this daredevil-esque Liv Morgan. I don't necessarily, necessarily believe in that version of Liv Morgan. If Liv Morgan wanted to turn psychotic and dark, then I would maybe have a better appreciation for it because what she did in her babyface run with the Women's Championship and the way she was mistreated and kind of, at one point, the fans turned on her a little bit and the way her title reign ended, 
I wouldn't mind if Liv Morgan went dark and went fucking batshit crazy. That's why the rumor of a Wyatt Six that includes Liv Morgan is a very appealing thing to me. But I just don't really... I'm not fully invested in Liv Morgan. I'm not. She's just there. Now, Sonya Deville, I'm a fan of Sonya Deville. I think Sonya Deville's got a great look. I don't know why we don't get more Sonya Deville. I think Sonya Deville is a very admirable heel character. I really do. She knows how to speak. She's got a great look to her. She's not bad in the ring at all. And what I got out of this match, it's funny. This was basically the same match that we got with Ronda Rousey at Extreme Rules. The thing is, this is what Ronda Rousey versus Liv Morgan at Extreme Rules should have been. This match was 10 times better than what we got with Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey at Extreme Rules. Now, what does that go and show you? I don't think I could blame Liv Morgan for the fucking very mid-match that we got at Extreme Rules, and that's exactly what it was to me. It was a very lackluster affair. So how much of that can we actually pin on Liv Morgan? Sounds like to me, and it looks like to me, that most of the blame should be placed on Ronda Rousey. She doesn't make anybody look good. Ronda herself is not good. Ronda's run has been terrible. Nothing she's done. Promo, in-ring, what she's done for the division, what she's done for the championship. She's done nothing right and nothing of note and nothing good. She sucks. Ronda is terrible. And the division would be better off without Ronda than where Ronda is right now holding the championship. This match was better than what we got with Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey at Extreme Rules. They worked, they worked well together. They worked well together. They both, work, they both worked very hard on this, and they had weapons. They had tables. There was a nice table spot. There was a this is awesome chant, which might or might not have been piped in. I don't know. So DeVille, she started off with some quick strikes. She rolled out of the ring, playing her heel character. She grabbed the kendo stick when Morgan leapt off the steps. They fought over the kendo stick on the outside with DeVille getting Morgan uh, where she wanted her, taking the kendo stick. Morgan recovered, got a hold of the kendo stick again. She smashed the kendo stick into pieces over DeVille's back. The fans broke into a loud, we want tables, we want tables chant. The nice shot of Liv Morgan holding the destroyed kendo stick. It looked like uh, skewers, barbecue skewers that were uh, broken into four or five separate pieces. That looked nice. That was a nice visual. So Morgan, she goes to the outside. She pulls the table out from underneath the ring. DeVille cut her off, put the table back under the ring to booze. So obviously the fans want tables. DeVille is the heel. No, you ain't getting a table, bitch. You ain't getting a table, man. Morgan fought back with a pair of suicide dives. Eh. Fans broke into another We Want Tables chant. Morgan gave them what they wanted, pulled out the table again. Morgan took a little bit of time setting up this table. This allowed DeVille to kind of get in there and attack and stopped whatever De uh, Morgan was doing. DeVille attempted a German suplex. Now they're on the apron. She attempted a German suplex off the apron through the table that Liv Morgan set up. At first, Morgan held on to the top rope. You ain't going to grab me. You ain't going to put me through this table. She held on for dear life. She then changed her mind, did Liv Morgan. She let both of them go through the table. She let go, and because she loves pain and she loves destroying her body, she allowed Sony Deville to pull her off the, the ring apron and off the ropes and go through the table. So that was a nice-looking spot. Nice bump there. It made nice impact. She changed her mind. Like I said, both go through the table. 
We go to a commercial break. DeVille took it to Morgan with a knee back from commercial. We get a knee to the face near fall. DeVille started throwing a bunch of chairs in the ring. Morgan regained control at this point. Morgan went for a superplex off the top rope onto the pile of chairs. DeVille didn't allow that to happen. She slipped out, powerbombed Morgan onto the pile of chairs. She goes for a cover, two count. She thought she had the match won. Fans erupted in a this is awesome chant. DeVille went for her finisher. The match at this point was about to come to an end. She went for a finisher. Morgan broke free of the finish attempt. Morgan then hit Oblivion on the pile of chairs, which, I mean, kind of defeats the purpose of doing it on the chair. Liv Morgan's move doesn't really, I mean, Oblivion as a finish. I honestly think Liv Morgan, this is one of the, this is one of the criticisms about Liv Morgan. I think her finisher is weak. She does Oblivion on the chair, which doesn't look good because it looks like it actually harms Liv Morgan more than it does Sony Deville. Oblivion onto the pile of chairs. One, two, three, and that was it. That was it. Liv Morgan wins, and they're continuing with this Liv Morgan uh, trying to get back into the title hunts. Liv Morgan with this gimmick and this new attitude. She's extreme. She's kind of lost a, a couple of marbles up in her head. She wants the title back. I don't necessarily believe in Liv Morgan. I don't. I'm sorry. It's very difficult for me to believe in her this believe in her in this role. I, I, I don't see it. I don't know what they need to do. I don't know what they need to change. I don't know what Liv Morgan needs to do differently. Something maybe, maybe tweak it a little bit more because right now I'm not really feeling it. And with all the rumor and innuendo about a Liv Morgan possibly being a part of Bright Wyatt's imaginary stable at this point, we don't even know if the Wyatt Six is going to be a stable. Maybe that is something that could take me and draw me closer to Liv Morgan and possibly being invested. I don't know. So we got a no DQ match, which was basically the same thing as what we got with Ronda and Liv at Extreme Rules. I mean, it's almost spot for spot. And this match ended up being what that match should have been a couple of weeks ago. Megan Morant, she interviewed the returning Emma. She's backstage with Emma, and she asked Emma what it's like to be back in the WWE. It's been five years since she's been back in the WWE, and Emma says it's great, and I didn't know if this day would ever come. She said that when she answered Ronda Rousey's open challenge, her heart was beating through her chest, and she was nervous. In walked Zia Lee, and she gave one of these mock applauds to Emma returning. Zaya said that she watched her lose, and the only thing that you proved is that you are weak, says Zaya Lee. Emma said, number one, that was Ronda Rousey out there with me last week. Number two, and she didn't say anything, but she elbowed Zia Lee in the face, and that's the way the segment went off the air. That's the way the promo came to an end. So we're getting an Emma versus Zia Lee match, or uh, a feud between Emma and Zia Lee. I don't know who's going to be uh, invested in that or excited for that, but I guess the ladies who are not competing for the world championship or the ladies that aren't competing for the tag team championship, they're going to need their own little side quest, their own little side story while the major players are 
setting up for war games in the next four or five weeks. They showed Rey Mysterio and Gunther rolling into the arena for their big IC title match. And then they transitioned to a clip of Logan Paul. Now we got this match tomorrow afternoon. Logan Paul versus Roman Reigns for the WWE Universal Heavyweight Championship. And I'm actually semi-excited for it. I think it's going to be a great match. I think that Logan Paul is going to deliver. I don't know why he wouldn't. I mean, he's done it uh, not once but twice. So I'm expecting him to be even better in there with somebody like Roman Reigns. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it, even though I was critical about it in the beginning, and I'm glad it's coming to an end. I'm looking forward to seeing what they produce. I think it's going to be a very entertaining match. Logan Paul was chilling on a leather couch on his impulsive podcast, and Jake Paul is apparently in Saudi Arabia. Jake Paul, Logan Paul's brother, the boxer, is going to be in Logan Paul's corner, and this was announced today at a press conference in Saudi for Crown Jewel earlier in, in the afternoon here, Eastern Standard Time. I actually like this move. I actually think this is a good move. The one reason why I think this is a good move, even though we kind of know that Roman Reigns is not going to lose the title to Logan Paul, it makes it somewhat, I would say, unpredictable to the casual audience. Now, if you're watching this and you don't know who Roman Reigns is, you kind of know who Roman Reigns is, but you don't know who Roman Reigns is at the same time, but you know who Logan Paul is, and you don't watch the WWE product on a regular basis, Jake Paul being in Logan Paul's corner is something that you're going to get excited about, and it's going to be something that adds a little bit of an element to the match, element of surprise, element of unpredictability. And I think for the casual audience, having him be there, it may serve its purpose as, oh, shit, this match may be as uh, more unpredictable as, once, or as one would expect, right, for uh, this type of match. So I, I think that's a good move. I really do. I have no problem with that. And, I mean, Logan and Jake Paul on a WWE show, uh, you know, they thought they were getting Logan Paul, but now they got both Paul brothers. And that's a big pickup for WWE. So they're going to tout about that, and they're going to brag about that. So it's a good PR move there. Jake Paul says, you know, he's going to be in his corner, and he wants him there, uh, does Logan, because Roman Reigns will have the Usos, Solo, Paul Heyman, and Sami Zayn. Or not Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn won't be there because Sami doesn't fly to uh, Saudi Arabia, but it will be everybody but Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn's not going to be there tomorrow afternoon, but uh, yeah. He's going to be the equalizer to the bloodline. I have no problem with that whatsoever. We got Ricochet. Ricochet and LA Knight. This was a match that was made from last week's SmackDown. And Ricochet has a problem with the cocky and arrogant LA Knight. They went about 10 minutes, and this was pretty decent. I'd like to see more of these two guys in the ring. This is something that I could definitely get used to. L.A. Knight here, you know, I'm glad that L.A. Knight is back. I think L.A. Knight's going to be a very, very uh, polarizing figure on SmackDown. People are going to love him, but he's going to make you fucking hate him. That's the type of heel that he is. He's just so good at what he does. And I said this in the beginning, and I said this tonight on my, on my Twitter while tweeting during SmackDown. This... Don Tony asked me yesterday during the Forbidden Door podcast that I did with him on Thursday. Like I said, you guys can go check it out on his YouTube channel. He asked me what was the biggest return? What was the best return in WWE with Triple H in charge, with Triple H taking over? What has been the best return so far? Believe it or not, you know, I don't know if it was a trick question because he knows I don't really like, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Braun Strowman. But I actually said Braun Strowman. 
And the reason why I said Braun Strowman was because, one, L.A. Knight hasn't been on the WWE roster uh, the entire duration that Triple H has been back. They teased it for several weeks before they actually made the transition from Max Dupree to L.A. Knight. So if it was something that we got right at the top of Triple H's takeover, I would probably have said L.A. Knight. But I said Braun Strowman. And the reason why I said Braun Strowman is because I think Braun Strowman's been booked pretty perfectly since he's come back. And if I was to make another take or make another take about what Triple H has done, what has been one of the best creative things that Triple H has done since being in charge, taking over Vince McMahon, this is probably at the very top, near the very top of Triple H's creative decisions. L.A. Knight being taken out of Maximum Male Models to be given his old theme music back, his own look, and his personality, it is going to be something that's going to elevate SmackDown to be a better show. L.A. Knight is going to effectively make SmackDown a better show when he is on. Every promo that L.A. Knight cuts is going to make SmackDown a better show. Every match that L.A. Knight is in is going to make SmackDown a better show. That would have never happened with Max Dupree and the Maximum Male Models. He would have easily been forgotten and nobody would say anything positive about Max Dupree. Just the God-honest truth. The gimmick needs to die. I'm glad that it's gone. It serves no purpose. It's a Bruce Pritchard, Vince McMahon project. Get it out. Nobody wants it. Nobody cared for it upon arrival. Get it out. Now we got LA Knight. LA Knight is going to be a major heel in the WWE. And this is the type of heel that the WWE roster, not only the WWE roster, this is the type of heel that SmackDown needs. You got your Roman Reigns. You got your Gunthers. Who else on that roster? And Bloodline, I wouldn't even say, is like heel yet. They're tweeners. They get just as many cheers as they get boos. How could you boo the Bloodline? Look at what Sami Zayn has done to transform the Bloodline. I don't, I don't even consider them heels. They're tweeners. They're in between. But does SmackDown have any one genuinely top-notch 100% heel. No, they don't. LA Knight, that's the guy. That's the guy. SmackDown desperately needed somebody like this. And it's amazing. I, I've said this countless times. It's amazing how taking him from NXT the way he is and putting him on the main roster was something that should have been so seamless. And Vince changed it. Vince changed it because it wasn't his creation. Bruce changed it because it wasn't his creation. Now we're going to change your name. Yeah, we're going to take your gimmick. Whatever Paul did, forget about it. It's gone. Now you're mine. The only reason why Vince and Bruce changed it because Paul Levesque had hired L.A. Knight and made L.A. Knight. That's a Paul Levesque creation. Now that Paul Levesque is in charge, L.A. Knight is back, and it's going to serve a greater purpose than Max Dupree ever could on SmackDown. So appreciate it. With what that man had went through, Upon NXT to the main roster to where we see now, LA Knight, appreciate it. Don't hate it. Don't tell me it's cringe. Don't tell me you don't like it. Look at what the man's been through and then look at what he's going to give SmackDown. At the end of all this, you're going to appreciate it. Mark my words. So, LA Knight comes out. He walks to the ring and he is walking towards Samantha Irving. 
who's the ring announcer, a beautiful woman, right? Ricochet's girlfriend, Samantha Irving, the ring announcer on SmackDown, walks towards her, and he complained about her introduction to him and noted that it might be good for Ricochet, but I'm going to need you to embellish a little bit more. First, you got my hometown wrong. You got it right this week. Last week, you got it wrong. I- I'm going to need you to do a little bit better, honey, okay? I know you've been uh, fixated on my baby blue eyes, he says. And then Ricochet just comes out and blasts him right in front of Samantha Irving. So I'm sure he uh, loved doing that in front of his lady. So he hit Knight with a suicide dive. And then he was in control. He set up for another dive. Knight grabbed his leg to take over. And Knight, kind of taking control of this match, attempted a second rope moonsault, missed. Ricochet teased the dive, but did a backflip in the ring. He posed. LA Knight dropped Ricochet on the top rope. He took the match over at this point. Knight hit a running knee on the apron, followed by a slingshot shoulder block. And he started mocking Ricochet's pose in the middle of the ring, did LA Knight. Knight slowed the pace down a little bit with the chin lock. Everybody slows the match down in WWE with the chin lock. Ricochet broke free, hit a flying crossbody. Knight recovered quickly with a jumping neck breaker for a two count. Knight sat on the top turnbuckle. Mocked Ricochet. Ricochet leapt up, caught Knight with a Huron Karana, which looked picture perfect. He goes for recovery, gets a two count. Ricochet fired up, hit a standing shooting stop press for a near fall. He then leapt off the top rope. Knight avoided whatever Ricochet had coming. And the finish came when Ricochet rolled up Knight. He reversed Ricochet's roll up, hooked the tights, and held on to the rope behind the referee's back. She didn't see it. And I believe it was Jessica Carr. One, two, three, and LA Knight. Steals a victory from Ricochet on SmackDown. So it looks like we're going to get something continuing between these two. And I don't mind it at all, man. Two great professional wrestlers. And I'm liking what I see. And like I said in the beginning of the show, Ricochet feuding with LA Knight is a great move for SmackDown. Great move for LA Knight. Ricochet is the type of guy that is going to go in there, give you a banger match every single time, and make his opponent look like a thousand fucking bucks. A million bucks, I should. Thousands cheap, uh, shortchanging uh, LA Knight. A million bucks. Ricochet makes his opponents look, man. Unbelievable. So, loving what's going on here. I think this is going to be good for SmackDown and good for the mid-card, man. These two guys are perennial intercontinental championship contenders. So, it's also a great thing to see them develop and, you know, build that mid-card on, on SmackDown for the IC title. Bloodline. We got the Bloodline... On SmackDown, and you know it's going to be a funny segment with Sami Zayn involved. Sami Zayn is back there, told the Usos and Solo Sokoa that the Tribal Chief is about to take care of business at Crown Jewel, while the Usos are about to break the record as the longest reigning tag team champions in WWE. Jay told Sami that they're going to go to the ring and tell the Brawling Brutes what's going to happen in Saudi Arabia tomorrow. Sami asked Jay, not to go out there because there's no reason for it. He says they've been talking and making progress. So it's better to get a good night's sleep, Jay said. Uh, or or uh, Sammy said. Jay then told Sammy, just because you're now Sammy Uso, now you think you can talk to me all of a sudden? Jay told Sammy, it's not a bloodline thing. It's an Uso thing because they were tag team champions before Sammy got, the, got in the bloodline. And they're going to be tag team champions after Sammy is no longer in the bloodline. That is what got Sammy kind of, whoa, the fuck are you talking about, man? Why, why would anybody get rid of me, right? 
So that was a that's something that you guys are going to need to pay attention to. That was that was done by design there. You know, they were tag team champions before Sami Zayn got involved and Jay Uso specifically said we're going to be tag team champions long after you're gone. So they're already kind of bookmarking it that Sami Zayn has an expiration date in the bloodline. And then Jimmy, Jimmy has been pro Sami this entire time. Even with his brother kind of going off the chains, he's been pro Sami. He sided with Sami more than he sided with Jay. So Jimmy says, he makes a good point, my dog. He looks over at Sammy, and then he follows Jay Uso to the ring. He smiled, walked away. Sammy was complaining to Solo. How could they do that? He's standing there with his arms crossed. Solo showed no reaction to it whatsoever. He was upset. And then Sammy's like, come back, come back, my dog. Sammy's awesome. He's not going to be a crown jewel on Saturday. Sammy usually doesn't make these trips. But uh, I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll get Sammy on Friday night and we'll start building to what I think is the inevitable Brawling Brutes and Bloodline match for War Games, Survivor Series. We got a Bray Wyatt backstage promo. And this was interesting. Interesting to say the least. Now, we got two Bray Wyatt promos, three, I think three Bray Wyatt promos, two in the ring and one in the back since he's been back in WWE. I honestly think that the first one kind of hit home a little bit because it was a stripped down Wyndham, and I think it was a lot more genuine than people really, really expected to him, for him to go out there and cut that type of promo. So it was very unexpected to hear him sound, you know, that way and talk that way after what we know of him and what we've seen of him in his past run. This backstage promo by Bray Wyatt, I honestly think, showed so many more elements and show, so many more layers to Bray Wyatt, where I honestly can t- tell you guys and confidently say this was probably the best Bray Wyatt promo that he's had since being back because of the in-depth and layers that were shown here from Bray Wyatt. He went from being very upset and he wants to express himself to us. And this is a different Bray Wyatt that we haven't seen before. And we started to slowly see the deterioration of Bray Wyatt from sad to frustrated to downright mad and basically demonic. All in this one segment. He went from feeling sad to frustrated. He got mad and then he wanted to basically kill somebody, kill this poor guy that he was talking to in the back on SmackDown tonight. He was backstage, and he said he's not the kind of person who likes to share his feelings. He said it makes it harder when people interrupt him when he's trying to do something that is obviously incredibly hard for him to do. A worker, some guy with a headset, comes on. He might have been one of the camera techs or one of the the fucking Q guys. He had this package. I don't know where he was going. I don't know why he interjected Bray Wyatt in this moment. So one of the workers uh, in the WWE, this unknown geek, he was behind Bray and got his attention. Great, you got Bray Wyatt's attention. I'm not sure that's something you want to do. Bray walked over to him and told the guy, listen, I know you're just trying to do your job. And he then asks if he knows anything about that feeling. Do you know anything about that feeling when when, when you're sitting in your car and someone cuts you off? And you fantasize about what you do if you've had 30 seconds with them alone. Now, 
he goes on to say that he can't stand the way he's thinking about things. Now, I know when I get cut off, I don't know how you guys feel when you're in the car and you're jamming out. I got the fucking music on max in the Mustang. I'm fucking driving down the Garden State Parkway, going to Atlantic City, and someone cuts me off. How do you feel in that moment when someone cuts you off? Now, what I would usually do is, this, this is grade A, JD. This is what I do. If someone cuts me off and there's room for me to speed up and, and catch them, I need to see who the person is. Always. I need to see who the motherfucker is that cut me off. Are you a fucking 60, 70-year-old geezer thinking that he's cool in his nice little fucking sports car? Are you a Guido prick driving your Audi? Right? Are you a fucking uh, four-eyed fucking geek in your uh, mom's SUV? I got to see who's cut me off. So I speed up and I look. And then I look at them, and I give them the nastiest snarl. Now, normally, I want to give them the middle finger. It depends on how they cut me off. It depends on how they cut me off. If it's a normal cutoff, I'll just look at them nastily. If it's something really serious, I'll fucking give them the finger. But he's talking about sitting in a, in a driver's seat, someone cutting you off. What would you do with that person if you had 30 seconds alone with them? Bryce says he can't stand the way he's thinking about things as of late. He says he hates himself because all he wants to do is take this guy's head and smash it in. He says he's a hair away from doing something really, really evil. Then he told him to reach to the bottom of his soul and look him in the eyes and apologize for interrupting. This is the first time we've seen Bray Wyatt get angry. This is the first time we've seen Bray Wyatt get angry since being back. Throughout all this, he had his theme music playing, you know, the the piano chord playing throughout all of this backstage promo. And I like that added touch as long as it's not overbearing to the promo. So they had the theme music playing and they had these cutaways, these distorted views of Uncle Howdy in the mask. Different images of Uncle Howdy in the mask. Who's Uncle Howdy? I don't know. We don't know yet. These different images kind of cutting in and out when he's, kind of dipping into this madness of Uncle Howdy. And there was another image. There were several images, but one of the images that really caught people's attention, and I don't have it queued up. I should have had it queued up. If you guys were on social media, you will have seen people talking about it. It is a woman. It is a woman with a spiral mark on her face, very similar to what Jigsaw used to wear or don in the Saw movies. It's this woman who looks like a freak. She honestly looks like a freaky clown or freaky little demon with the Jigsaw logo on her face. This is the one thing that stuck out to everybody in the community. So this image of a woman flashed and people took a still shot of it. And some people online have speculated that this could be Alexa Bliss. This could be Liv Morgan. This could even be Wyatt's real life sister. Micah Rotunda, or Mika Rotunda. I don't know how they pronounce that. I'm sorry if I messed that up. Mika Rotunda. We don't know. We don't know. Is Bray Wyatt's family going to get involved in this entire storyline? Because I know Uncle Howdy, a lot of people are making the correlation from Barry Windham to Uncle Howdy, right? 
I don't know if that's going to be the case. It could be something that's modeled off of Barry Windham. I can't see Barry Windham making his way to WWE television and playing a character in Wyatt's universe. But it could be somebody kind of taking who Barry Windham is to the Rotunda family and putting it in storyline. Who's under the Uncle Howdy mask? We don't know. I mean, it could be Bray himself. It could be Bo Dallas. It could be Bo Dallas. It could absolutely be Bo. You don't think Bo could pull off a great Bray? There were rumors going around at WrestleMania. It wasn't even Bray under the Fiend mask wrestling Randy Orton. That it was Bo Dallas. And Bo Dallas, I I remember watching skits earlier in the week of Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel making fun of Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy when they were a tag team. Bo cut a great promo. Pretty much doing Bray Wyatt, doing his brother. It could be. Then you got the whole earring thing, the whole earring conspiracy. Uncle Howdy had this cross-like diamond earring that he was wearing on his, I believe it was his right ear. And, or I don't know which ear it was, but one of his ears, he was wearing an earring. And Bo Dallas is wearing the same earring while he was in WWE away from the ring. So there's a lot of correlations there. People trying to uncover these little different clues. But this woman is the big thing right now as far as this promo with Bray Wyatt. Honestly, who it looked like to me at first glance, I'm not saying that this is who it is. Who it looked like at first glance to me, it looked like it looked like Nikki Cross. But I don't think it's going to end up being Nikki Cross. And I'm sticking to my guns. I'm sticking to my guns. I honestly feel like everything that you see out of Bray Wyatt, everything you see out of Bray Wyatt and these egos, these alter egos that Bray is going to show you throughout this journey, I honestly think he's going to show us six alter egos. There's going to be six characters that are being played here in the Wyatt Six. The Wyatt Six, I feel like, are six alter egos, six personalities of Bray Wyatt that will then eventually be formed in human form, whoever those human forms are going to be to fill out Bray Wyatt's alter egos, to bring them to television, to make them into real life. I don't know. I don't know. But I thought that this was Bray Wyatt's best promo to date so far since being back because you've seen the evolutionary slip of Bray Wyatt. He went from sad to frustrated, mad, and then downright just wanting to kill this poor guy, this poor production guy on SmackDown tonight. I'm loving it. It's great stuff. Moving on. The Usos. They made their way out to the ring, and they have a tag team title match tomorrow night, or tomorrow afternoon, I should say. Against the Brawling Brutes, Butch and Ridge Holland. Should be a banger. No doubt about it. Should be a banger. The Usos made their way to the ring, and they are holding their unified, undisputed tag team championships. So Michael Cole really played up the fact that we are nine days away from tying the longest reigning tag team championship reign in WWE history. So they got the Brawling Brutes on Saturday afternoon. I I do not see the Brawling Brutes winning this match. It should be a great match, but they are not going to win the titles. Jay's in the ring and told the Brutes, you the twos and we the ones. New day interrupted. Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston came out to hold up, pump the brakes, settle your tea kettle and just stop. Told them, listen, stop what you're saying. We got something to say here. Kofi says they're rooting for the Brawling Brutes, but if the Usos return from Saudi Arabia to the United States as tag team champions, we got next. 
The Brutes all of a sudden attacked the Usos from behind. New Day joined in. Solo and Sammy ran out to even the odds and cleared the ring of the New Day and Rich Holland. Butch ran in, used the shillelagh, but Solo gave him the spinning solo, Uranage, and that put an end to Butch. Bloodline left the ring together as the Brutes and New Day were left in the ring together. So they're really selling the fact that the Brutes could win tomorrow afternoon, which they will not, and it will be the Brawling Brutes potentially against the New Day for the Tag Team Championships. No. The New Day, I'll get to them in a second. I know a lot of people are very uh, whatever about a possible New Day Usos match. I'll get to that in a second. The Usos, there's no reason why anybody creatively should think the Usos are losing the Tag Team Championships tomorrow night. I don't know why you would think that. The story is in the Usos holding the Tag Team Championships all the way through WrestleMania. WrestleMania season, I should say, up until WrestleMania, where Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens more than likely will be the tag team that the Usos dropped the tag team titles to. That is the story. As far as the New Day is concerned, you know, I know a lot of people are like, again... Oh, my God, we just got these guys away from the tag team titles, and now they're getting another tag team championship match. Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, oh, my God, that's the first thing I'd go for. Oh, my God, I, I can't wait. The Usos got nobody. Let's pair them against the New Day. No. Why would I want that? We've seen it how many fucking times? But I will say this. The Usos are going to need something to string them along, going into war games, going into the end of the year. You know, there really isn't many tag teams in the WWE right now, which I hope changes over the course of the next calendar year. I hope by the time we're talking about the tag team division next year at this time that we have the best tag team division in all pro wrestling. I hope so. I hope that's on the list of priorities of Triple H, you know, and changes coming. Tag team division needs to be resuscitated. We need something along the lines of a possible merger, one championship that flows between both brands if we're not going to end the brand split, whatever the case may be. The Usos and the New Day is a great idea. You may not think so, but I don't know why everybody's hung up on, oh, oh my God, you guys are not feeling very Usy. You have to feel Usy, right? Don't go out there feeling like Jay Uso and not feeling Usy. Guys, it's not the end of the world. It's not that serious. This is a one-off. It is a one-off. The New Day needs challengers. The New Day, uh, not the New Day, the Usos need challengers. The New Day is a great challenge for the Usos, and it's a built-in story. Not only do they have history, but what would you do if you're Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods? Seeing that the Usos are holding the tag team championships that you once held, you broke the record for the longest reigning tag team championship title reign in WWE history. Would you sit idly by and not want to defend your record? I don't understand that. Why would you not expect them to go and do that? I know I would. I think that's a great move. They have history. The record is going to be broken. They're going to put a tr uh, try and put a stop to it. They won't. They're going to try and put a stop to it. And it's a one-off. And here's the kicker, guys. Here's the kicker. Please tell me when I'm telling lies. Have the Usos in the New Day ever had a bad tag team match? Have they ever not had a banger? The Usos in the New Day 
pretty much own one of the best Hell in a Cell matches of all time. So why would anybody complain about the New Day and the Usos if there's a built-in story and it's logical? Your intelligence is not being insulted by this match being made. You may be thinking, oh, the tag team division's weak, they're going back to the New Day, but it's not a four, five, six-week-long build. This is not a major program for the tag team championships. This is something that falls a few days short of the actual reign being broken. Why wouldn't we want to go and do that and explore that? I love this. I love everything about this. And then they can continue feuding with the Brawling Brutes, going into war games, and boom! Maybe we get the Brutes and the New Day against the Bloodline. We can even transition into that because the Brutes are three, the Bloodline's five. So we could get the Brutes and the New Day. Everybody's thinking, well, the, Bru- the Brutes are only three. Who are we going to get to team with the Brutes if we're going to do the Brutes and the Bloodline in war games? New Day, there you go. Three plus two is five. Look, I did simple mathematics. I was thinking maybe a Drew McIntyre, or a Kevin Owens, right? I'd love to see those two guys, but who knows? Who knows what they got planned for war games? But there you go. Why not? That's a great war games match. The New Day and the Bloodline have history. The New Day and the Usos specifically have history. The Bloodline and the Brutes, they've been brawling. This has been a thing on TV. Why not? Butch has had several War Games matches under his belts in NXT. Putting Sheamus in there is going to be fucking absolutely fantastic. I love it. It's going to be great. Stop complaining. Kayla Braxton. She interviewed Rey Mysterio backstage. She asked if winning the IC title will give him the fresh start that he needs. Rey says he's given his life to the business and he's always shared that with his son. He said now he's haunted by those memories and misses his son. He says he wants to show the world that even when the worst happens, you have to fight on. He said his chest still hurts from Gunther's chop last week. He says he's going to turn that pain into rage and use it to become the WWE Intercontinental Champion. Natalia. Natalia is... Whatever. Shayna Baszler. More Shayna Baszler on my TV, man. We love Shayna Baszler over here. Shayna Baszler actually came out with Ronda Rousey. This is finally, after all these months of absolutely nauseating television with Ronda Rousey. Oh, oh man. Oh, I had a terrible nightmare about uh, about uh, Marina Shafir and Jake Cargill, man. Holy shit. That's what woke me up from my uh, my nice little nap here, man, mentioning Ronda Rousey. Nobody wants Ronda on television. But Ronda and Shayna, this is something I can get behind. A dangerous one-two combination. I don't know why we haven't explored this uh, before this. This is the first time that I've seen Ronda on television, and it felt right. Ronda on television, for the most part, has been absolutely nauseating television. Everything she's done has been terrible. Now now she's paired with Shayna. I don't know what they got planned, but Ronda with Shayna, this is something that I can get behind. What they do with it, I don't know. We'll have to see. 
But Baszler wins in three minutes here, and she won decisively with a Kirafuda clutch. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and fucking go over Natalia and Shayna Baszler match that ended in three minutes. Kirafuda clutch, and that was pretty much it. And commentary even kind of hyped up Ronda and Shayna, saying that she and Ronda make a very terrifying duo, a very formidable duo. Good. Good. Baszler wins in three minutes. Natty came up with a, a bloody nose. So, uh, yeah, Shayna. Shayna looks like she may be going back. Triple H looking like he's taking Shayna back to the Queen of Spades era of NXT. This reminded me a lot of what Shayna did in NXT, and I cannot sit here and tell you that I hate this. Because of Ronda is, Ronda's involvement. I love this. Shayna, besides Asuka, is the best NXT Women's Champion of all time. It's not Mandy Rose. It's Asuka and Shayna. And I love that. If we start seeing Shayna and Ronda together, and we get Shayna back to being black and gold Shayna, this is going to be a great story going into WrestleMania season with Becky Lynch. Because I think they fucked up that Becky and Shayna feud when they did it around WrestleMania 30, what was it, 35, 36? That shit sucked. So I love that. I think that's going to be awesome. Becky's going to have to deal with Ronda and Shayna? That's some pretty decent television there, man. That's, uh, that's got a lot, of, a lot of promise if they book it correctly. MVP. He's there. And he said he had surprise for Braun Strowman. Now, MVP's in the ring, and I, I, I predicted that this was going to happen. How many jobbers can Omos and Braun Strowman beat? They're going to compete in jobber matches. How many jobbers can each one beat in enhancement matches? So MVP introduced five wrestlers that he handpicked to wrestle Braun Strowman tonight. So when those five came out, Braun charged out and knocked them all down, basically like human bowling pins. He then attacked MVP. He threw MVP into the ring apron, and he beat up on MVP. Omos is not there. Omos was not at SmackDown. And Braun gave MVP, before uh, all of this came to an end, he threw him into the barricade, gave MVP a power slam in the middle of the ring, Braun gave him a second running power slam, and the crowd wanted the third one, but that was uh, being kind of dumbed down by Wade Barrett. He started yelling at Braun Strowman to stop, and then Braun gave MVP a third power slam because the fans asked for it. Listen, I don't want to see this match any more than you guys want to see this match. I don't. But if they keep it to a minimum, and I'm not sitting here praising, you know, this match. I, I want to see this thing. No. If they keep it to a minimum and they let them go out there, because what Braun Strowman did with Otis was quick. Five minutes, six minutes tops, and it was, I won't say a banger, but, man, it was fucking fun. The crowd was eating out of the palm of their hands. If they go and do five minutes and they go and do fucking destruction for five minutes, I think this could be a really just passable, serviceable match. I don't want to say good. I doubt it's going to end up being great. Serviceable match to a point where what I want to ultimately happen is for me to watch this and not feel contempt or rage to come on here 
on Saturday afternoon and fucking tear this thing a new asshole. I don't want to do that. I want to give them the benefit of the doubt because, like I said, I think Braun Strowman's been booked perfectly since he's come back to WWE. Omos, I mean, nothing's going to save Omos. Omos is terrible. But if Braun and Omos go out there and do what they do best, and Braun has a couple of positive qualities about him. Omos has his height, and that's about it. Five minutes. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. That's all I want. Hopefully they don't bomb and stink up the joint, but, uh, you know, again, I can't really really know with Omos being there. I can't remember the last time he's done anything of note. Kayla, she tried to interview Gunta. Ludwig Kaiser took the microphone from her and handed it to Gunta. Giovanni Vinci stood by him as Gunther said, he will defend his title with dignity, with respect, and with honor. He said, Ray has no honor, which is why his son turns his back on him. He said, one thing will never change, which is him being the WWE Intercontinental Champion. Next week. Next week on SmackDown, man, shaping up to be a damn good show. They announced Shinsuke Nakamura versus Santos Santos Escobar. So we got Santos in a one-on-one match. I'm very excited to see that. Santos is one of my guys. I love Santos Escobar. So we got that match, and we got New Day getting a shot at the Tag Team Championships a couple of days before that reign is broken. So that is going to be awesome. And that's going to be a tremendous main event. And then we got the start of what Triple H is calling the SmackDown World Cup. Now, I don't know what this is. I have no rumors on this. I don't have any news on this. But it looks like it's a tournament. And it looks like we may be getting a tournament of, I would say, it's going to be in vain of a tournament, eight-man tournament of all different backgrounds and nationalities. So we're going to get representation from all over the globe. And it's going to be something to sell SmackDown going into Survivor Series. So we may get four from Raw and four from SmackDown, and we may get the finals happening at Survivor Series, which I think is a great idea. And I love tournaments, man. I think that's awesome. And if this is something that Triple H is starting this year, it may end up turning into a yearly thing. We may have the King of the Ring tournament in the beginning of the summer, and we may have the SmackDown World Cup at the end of the year. I don't, need, I don't need Triple H going out there doing seven fucking tournaments, eight tournaments a year like Tony Khan. Everything's a fucking tournament. Interim this, tournament that with Tony Khan. No, I'm sorry. We need a, a little bit less emphasis on tournaments. I know everybody loves tournaments, but don't outplay the tournament, okay? So I love this. I think this is great. Very interested to see how this all materializes going into next week's show. And if I hear anything, I'll obviously talk about it on Sunday's show because I'm sure we'll have more information on what this is going to entail on next week's SmackDown. Gunther, main event with Rey Mysterio. This is the Intercontinental Championship match. Main event. This was great. I loved everything about this, man. This was awesome. Gunther and Rey had what was a true David versus Goliath, big man versus little man match. Rey used his speed. Gunther used his fucking sheer power over Rey Mysterio. And Rey Mysterio could not overcome the size of Gunther. Eventually, he succumbed to the Intercontinental Champion. 
Big spots, nice finish, crowd was into it, love it. Mysterio used his speed early, right at the top. Going through back Mysterio into the corner, big chops. He does that little uh, move over the top rope where he chokes you out with his boot, hanging you upside down over the corner. He then threw Rey Mysterio off the apron to the ringside. We go to commercial break. A couple of commercial breaks in this thing. I mean, it is what it is. Going through toss Mysterio out. Of the ring, under the bottom rope. He then powerbombed Ray onto the apron. Gunther then followed up with a big slam, big kick to the back of the head. Gunther went for another slam. Mysterio held on. Mysterio climbed on his back, hit a crucifix bomb on the mighty Gunther. Mysterio picked up the pace and jumped off the top ropes. Gunther caught him. But Mysterio switched in midair to a sleeper right on Gunther's back. Gunther fought back and threw Mysterio off. Mysterio recovered, got a sleeper on again for a second time. Gunther couldn't figure out how to break this sleeper hold from Rey Mysterio because he's so wily and so crafty and so quick and so small. So he climbed up the turnbuckle with Rey Mysterio on his back and fell backwards. Fucking awesome. He can't get Rey. He's like a little, he's like a fucking little cat out there, is Rey Mysterio, climbing up a fucking, can't get him down. What do you do, right? He's got his claws sunk into you. Gunther climbs to the second turnbuckle and jumps the fuck off the turnbuckle and drops Rey Mysterio onto the mat, on his back. Gotta love it. It's great. So, that spot was awesome. We got another commercial break. Gunther continued to just chop down Mysterio, just beat him down. He pulled in Mysterio's mask and backed him into the corner. Mysterio fired up and rocked Gunther with some hard shots. Gunther recovered. And set up for a powerbomb. Mysterio escaped. Conk Guthrie with a bulldog took him down. He followed with a senton. Two counts. He then hit the 619 and climbed the top rope. He was going for the kill. He was going for that big Eddie splash off the top rope. Gunther cut him off and climbed up to the top rope with Ray. Mysterio cut Gunther off this time. He attempted a hurricanrana, but Gunther blocked it. Gunther went for a second rope powerbomb, but Mysterio countered into a hurricanrana off the top for a near fall. This is awesome chance broke out on SmackDown at this point in the match. Mysterio continued with his offense, peppering him, going after him. He felt like he had the match won. He went for a code red. He nailed it on Gunther. He got a near fall. Mysterio missed the frog splash. Gunther in a shotgun dropkick, which is fucking scary. Shotgun dropkick by Gunther. Power bomb for a near fall. Ray Mysterio kicks out of Gunther's finish. The power bomb. He kicked out. Gunther's frustration all over his face. Sold it great. So we went for another power bomb. Mysterio set up for a 619. Had him in position. Gunther recovered. Took him, took him to Mysterio with a boot right to the face. He pulled Mysterio by his arm to the middle of the ring. Clothesline. Midair. Took him out. That was it. That was the finishing blow. That was the end of it. A big pull-up clothesline, knocked him out, one, two, three, and Gunther wins the match and retains the Intercontinental Championship. Fucking great. Such a great run is Gunther having with the Intercontinental title. When Roman Reigns is not there, when Roman Reigns is not present on the show, right, these are the types of matches that you need to have, not only on SmackDown. I wish that we'd get this shit on, on Dynamite. I'd wish we'd get this shit with the TNT title. I wish we'd get this shit on Raw. Every fucking week, it's a woman's match. Non-title. Tag team title. Non-title. 
tag team title. I mean, give me a fucking break. The United States Championship should be built the same way the IC title is being built up, and they've kind of dropped the ball with the United States Championship. That should be the main event. Why aren't we doing the same with the U.S. title on Raw? Gunther's IC title reign, when it is all said and done, is going to be a tremendous part of who he is. It is going to be one of the things that stands out most in the Triple H era. What did he do? What was the first thing that he did? He came back and on that first night, he made the United States Championship spotlighted. Video packages. More so than Vince McMahon ever paid attention to the United States Championship. The following Friday, he did it with the Intercontinental title. And now look at where we are. That match with Gunther and Sheamus at Clash of the Castle put the IC title back on the map. It wiped away all of the fucking bullshit that Vince McMahon did. All the bullshit that Bruce did for that title. Or with that title, I should say. They fucking wanted to kill the title. For some reason, they did not honor the Intercontinental title. And I don't know why. Which is one of the reasons why I honestly think that those two specifically hate wrestling. And they hated their history. They hated where they came from. They wanted to move so far away from what that title meant and what that title represented. And here we have Triple H making it as big as the titles that Roman Reigns is holding right now currently. That is something that I absolutely stand behind. This is incredible. And matches like this should be main eventing not only SmackDown, but every wrestling show that you watch on your week. I love it. Now, what do we do with Gunther? Gunther is going to be built up and built up and built up. They're putting him in uh, a major spot going into WrestleMania. It, it, he has to be. He has to be. Whenever Sheamus gets done with the bloodline, he's going to go right back to Gunther. He's going to work his way back to Gunther. You, you think Sheamus forgot about Gunther? You think the way that Sheamus lost that fucking match, that second match, he's not going to want another rematch? I don't know how long we're going to hold it off, but if they don't do that match at WrestleMania, a fucking... Crime. It is creative malpractice. Sheamus getting the IC title against Gunther at WrestleMania. That is a WrestleMania match waiting to be in the history books as one of the best intercontinental title matches in WrestleMania history. Why would you ever not do it there? Can they bring us now with Sheamus all the way to WrestleMania? I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be a very interesting situation, but my God, man, is Gunther fucking tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. In every sense of the word is Gunther. And I'm finally, I, I finally am at a, I was at a place where I was at ease. I think everybody is with Triple H in charge. Gunther is going to be a world champion on this brand. When Roman Reigns is no longer in the discussion of world champion, Gunther is going to be at the top of the card. He's going to be your dominating heel that is going to own this show. And Gunther's gaining respect from the fans as well because the matches that he puts on are nothing but fucking bangers. And just by that alone, you appreciate what he brings to the table. Fucking great. Love it. Rampage. We're going to talk. I'm going to spend like five minutes on Rampage. We're going to spend five minutes on Rampage. We're going to talk about uh, what had happened with the show tonight, just briefly, just give my quick thoughts about Rampage. But before I do that, I want to make sure you guys are hitting the thumbs up, man. Make sure you guys hit the thumbs up. I see 618 likes. I feel like because I didn't mention, I need a 1,000 likes minimum on the post show, on the stream. So if you guys are in the chat and have not hit the thumbs up, I'm going to need you to hit the thumbs up. Plain and simple. Super chats are open. Get them on in. 
And we got five new members tonight, VIPs. Come on in, man. I'm welcoming all new VIPs. Applications are open. So make sure you get them on in and become a VIP channel member right here on OTS. Rampage. I thought Rampage was a better show than AEW Dynamite in many, in many different cases. I thought Dynamite was all over the place. I thought Dynamite was a very, very lackluster effort from Tony Khan. And I feel with Rampage tonight, it felt like a bigger deal. I don't know why, it just did. Now, normally I don't watch Rampage. I gave up watching Rampage because largely nothing happens on Rampage, but I felt like I needed to watch the show tonight, okay? Shibata, Katsuyori Shibata. This is his first match in the United States for five in five years. He wrestled Orange Cassidy, and I thought this was a very good match. Surprised that they actually opened the show with it, but they wanted to start off hot, and I can't really blame them for that. I said on Wednesday, and I'll quote what I said, you know, I feel like Tony Khan is booking Dynamite and Rampage for Tony Khan. I don't think he's necessarily doing it for the fans. He's marking out, booking these shows. I'm like, why is this match happening? Like, we got no backstory on Shibata. We got him at Forbidden Door. He showed up, and I think he did something with Orange Cassidy then. And I, I, I like the transition from what we've seen at Forbidden Door, but, I mean... To me, it's only a great wrestling match for the people who know Shibata and the people who know his body of work. I mean, I don't necessarily care about him being here. You may care that he's here, and you may be excited that he's here. It was a fine match. I'm not really, I'm not really sitting here and telling you it was a bad match. It was a great match. But I, I, I can't bring myself to invest myself. I want to invest myself in something that I genuinely fucking care about. I can't invest myself in something like this outside of, yeah, it's, it's a good match. Yeah, it opened the show tonight and started off the show very good. So what? I need, I, I need something more than that. AEW is getting way too comfortable with these flash in the pan one night. Hey, we're going to give you a great match. I want story. I want rich, fulfilling story. How many rich, fulfilling stories do we have going into full gear? I can't think of one, even with Moxley and MJF. It's kind of taken a back seat for the last couple of weeks. Nothing on Dynamite even built towards full gear. Moxley's on TV every fucking week. He doesn't need to wrestle every week. MJF sounds like he's not going to be back on TV until full gear. I don't know. Sounds like they're going to have to tell the story through John Moxley and William Regal. There's no rich, fulfilling story. None. Maybe swerve. Maybe acclaimed. Maybe. But I feel like everything is just kind of, eh. Not saying it's going to be a bad show, but this is not the rich, fulfilling story that we were given in year one and year two going into these types of paper. I want, I want Adam Page, Kenny Omega versus the Young Bucks type of rich story. I do. I want Punk versus MJF type of rich story. What happened to that? We're not even getting anything close to that. Something needs to change. Something needs to change. This was a good match. I'm not really familiar with Shibata's body of work, but I thought he looked he looked incredible tonight. His body, his physique, he looked incredible. For what he went through, he looked incredible. Looks like he hasn't missed a beat, right? 
So Orange Cassidy, Shibata says, I want OC and I want Brian Danielson. Fine. When and where? Sign me up. But Orange Cassidy, this is exactly what I want to see out of the All-Atlantic Championship. I want to see somebody that is over, that is popular, that is putting the title in matches like this, defending the title, building that title, and making it something that is important. And Orange Cassidy, man, Orange Cassidy gets so much fucking hate online that it's ridiculous. Like, why, why do you hate Orange Cassidy? Because he's successful? Because he's got little, little fucking, uh, you know, uh, fake kicks, and he's got that little spot with the hands in the pockets, and, and you know, he's got those, uh, those gimmick kicks that he does? Come on. That's why you hate him? If you don't think Orange Cassidy can wrestle, you're a complete fucking blithering idiot. Let's go back and watch his match with Will Ospreay and tell me he can't wrestle. You know, for all the people that say Orange Cassidy can't wrestle, my God, some of the biggest, most notable names, some of the biggest legends in this sport want to work with Orange Cassidy. I don't understand that. Minoru Suzuki wants to work with Orange Cassidy. Shibata wants to work with Orange Cassidy. Will Ospreay wanted to work with Orange Cassidy. And Will Ospreay may be the best professional wrestler on the fucking planet right now. I mean, what does that say about Orange Cassidy? I don't know what to tell you guys. Every time the guy goes out there, he proves you wrong. He hands out more L's than anybody. Maybe it's time for you to shut the fuck up about Orange Cassidy. Honestly. Guy's doing great work. And the guy is more over now than he was ever before. Tony Khan trusts him. He's one of the highest rated segments, not only on Dynamite, but anytime he's on TV. He's a great PR guy as well. Tony Khan's going to send someone like that out to do PR. Kids dress up as him, cosplay as him during Halloween. He's a great all-ages demographic type of guy. He's got more positive than these marks online could ever realize. Enough. This was a very good match. Orange Cassidy stood up. Shibata brought it. Worked some of that strong style with Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy ended up winning in about, I would say, 13 minutes or so with a orange punch, knocked him out. Good stuff. Mike Tyson on commentary, I could barely hear anything he was saying, but he was out there stepping over everybody's toes. He didn't sound overly offensive on commentary, but, I mean, I was even questioning even bringing him to commentary to do anything. Of all people, you're going to bring Iron Mike Tyson to do commentary? The great Shibata. He called Shibata. It was innocent at best, and Mike Tyson's there for the appearance just to sell the show. The live atmosphere in Atlantic City, a city that Mike Tyson is very synonymous with. Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter beat Madison Rain in Sky Blue. Um, didn't really care about this at all. This was more about Jamie Hayter and Tony Storm at the end of the match. Uh, they laid Tony out. I'm very much looking forward to Tony Storm and Jamie Hayter at full gear. I think it's going to be a tremendous match. It's going to be a women's championship match that absolutely lives up to what the women's championship matches should be, in my honest opinion. Sky Blue, listen, I know everybody loves Sky Blue. I do. I think Sky Blue is a very beautiful woman. I get where you guys are coming from. I'm not looking for Sky Blue uh, to wrestle in the ring and strictly pay attention to her looks. She looked very good tonight in the ring. She was very good in the ring tonight. This was probably the best eye I've seen of Sky Blue uh, since I've seen her on AEW television. She was in there with Britt. She was in there with Jamie Hader, and she looked good. 
Other than that, I really can't say much about the match. It was more Jamie Hayter, Tony Storm at the end of the match. Britt Baker uh, cut a, a promo at the end of the match saying that uh, Tony Storm is going to lose the championship. She grabbed the mic and said, Tony Storm, um, you know, while Hayter was beating on Madison Rain, Storm ran uh, uh, in and knocked Rebel out. And then they brawled with Hayter. Storm locked uh, Hayter into a Texas Cloverleaf, and Baker made the save by hitting Storm with the AEW Women's Championship belt, and they laid Tony Storm out, kind of selling the match for the pay-per-view. Chris Jericho was interviewed. He answered the challenge from earlier in the show. It was Claudio and Brian Danielson both wanting a shot at Chris Jericho and the Ring of Honor Championship. So this is definitely going to be Jericho's toughest challenge to date. Jericho answered the challenge from earlier in the show from the Blackpool Combat Club. He wanted both Brian Danielson and Claudio in the same match. To even the odds, Jericho suggested making this three-way a four-way with Sammy Guevara. So Guevara has been with Jericho since day one, whether it's in the inner circle, whether it's with the JAS. And when he takes out, when they take out Brian and Claudio, and it's down to Jericho and Guevara, he says, I expect you I expect you to do the right thing, my little buddy. And Guevara was like, what? So we got a fatal four-way at full gears. Jericho versus Sammy Guevara versus Claudio versus Brian for the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship. Should be interesting. Should be very interesting. Definitely an unpredictable situation there, but I do kind of feel, part of me does feel like they're beating the same drum over and over and over again, and they're running around in circles with this Ring of Honor shit and with this Blackpool Combat Club and JAS shit. I feel like they don't know where else to go. I just feel like they're just keeping it involved and keeping it going because they don't know anything else or anything else where they want to go. They don't have, they don't have anything planned, which... I don't want to feel that way, but regardless of how I feel, I think the match should be great. And I'm just glad that Brian and Claudio are on the pay-per-view. Ricky Starks, he came to the ring and cut a promo. Basically, basically, this was a very good promo by Ricky Starks, more Ricky Starks. We got Ricky Starks on TV because the fans have been very volatile online, wanting Ricky Starks. He even mentioned, the only reason why I'm here is because people have been wanting me on social media to be included in the show, and I decided to show up tonight. So Tony Khan listened to the AEW fan base and gave us Ricky Starks. Basically, this was all about Ricky Starks entering the Eliminator Tournament. And he's going to be going into the Eliminator Tournament, vowing to become the number one contender for the AEW world title against either John Moxley or MJF, whoever comes out of that championship match. And the tournament is as follows. We got Paige... Ethan Page, not Hangman Page, Ethan Page versus Eddie Kingston. That's happening on Dynamite Wednesday. We got Bandito and Roosh. That should be a tremendous match. Bandito is signed with AEW. Bandito and Roosh Friday on Rampage. Lance Archer and Ricky Starks. That's happening on Rampage Friday. It looks like Ricky Starks is going to get one over on, on Lance Archer. I don't know why they would promote him on this show, give him that spot to cut a promo, and then have him lose. Then we got Brian Cage and Dante Martin. So I could see... This is the, the, these are the brackets. This is one side, and this is the other side. So we got Page and Kingston, Bandito and Roosh on one side. I could see Ethan Page winning this match. I think Ethan Page is going to win this match, and I think we're going to get Bandito winning that match. So we're going to have Bandito versus Ethan Page. I think that's going to be a great match. And then Lance Archer versus Ricky Starks. I think Ricky Starks is going to win. And then we got Brian Cage versus Dante Martin. I could see Dante Martin beating Brian Cage. But 
I think Tony Khan is going to go with Brian Cage and Ricky Starks because they were in Team Taz, and I think that dynamic works a little bit better with Ricky Starks beating Brian Cage. I think we're going to get Ricky Starks and Brian Cage in the semifinals, and Ricky Starks is going to end up in the final. I think, I think, with Ethan Page, and I think we're going to get a really good match at the pay-per-view. I think Ethan Page really deserves a spot to show what he's made of. And I think being in there with Ricky Starks on full gear at the pay-per-view should be good. Bandito, I mean, it's going to be very difficult to see Bandito lose after coming on in. He did lose to Jericho, but now he's all elite. I would love to see Bandito versus Ricky Starks. I think that would be tremendous. That's more of a pay-per-view match to me. That's more of a match on pay-per-view I'd like to see over an Ethan Page. But I think if we're talking about who deserves it more, I mean, Bandito just got here. Ethan Page is tremendous. Let's get Ethan Page on pay-per-view and put him in there against Ricky Starks. That's just me. But we'll see how it plays out. We'll see how it plays out. And in the main event, I mean, this Ring of Honor shit's got to go, man. I said this on social media with Jesse and I talked about it on Wednesday. The Ring of Honor stuff is really dampening Dynamite. It's dampening the overall AEW product. We got another Ring of Honor main event. This went nine minutes. Most of it happened in the commercial break. Samoa Joe and Wardlow defeated the Gates of Agony with Prince Nana. And this was basically, you know, just a showcase for Wardlow and Samoa Joe. And then Will Hobbs coming out at the end of the match motioning to his belt, right, to his to his waist. He wants the world title. He wants the TNT title from, from uh, Wardlow. And we're going to get that match more than likely at full gear. I mean, is that wise of Tony Khan to do that match at full gear? I mean, there's no build to it. It's just this. And he came out and attacked Wardlow on Dynamite. So you're going to put Will Hobbs. You're going to put Powerhouse Hobbs in a match with Wardlow. Is that going to be too soon? Do we see Wardlow losing the championship right now? He has done nothing with the championship. Why would you waste a potential mega feud over the TNT title just to fill out a pay-per-view card with Will Hobbs and Powerhouse, uh, uh, Powerhouse Hobbs and, and Wardlow? I don't get it. So if Wardlow beats Ricky, uh, if Wardlow beats Powerhouse Hobbs, why? What are we doing? Where does Powerhouse Hobbs go from there? He goes right back to the back of the line. He goes right back into obscurity. I honestly think Tony Khan is making these rash decisions because the fans are asking, where's Ricky Starks? Where's Miro? Where's Powerhouse Hobbs? Guys like that on the show. So he's giving it to us. He's giving us these guys. And then it's like, why? In these spots that don't make sense, there's no build, there's no longevity. You're putting them in spots that are really going to not be good for those guys who we want to see success from. You know, we want to see them be successful. We can't take the title off Wardlow. We can't. Unless we are, and you're going to deem Wardlow a failure. And then where does Wardlow go? Who does he feud with? It's not a good look, man. Not a good look. AEW is not a good look right now. It's not. I thought Rampage, though, was better than Dynamite. It's not saying much, because Dynamite was probably the worst Dynamite of the entire year. Anyway, guys. I appreciate you hanging out tonight. We're going to go over the Super Chats in just a second. Remember, hit that thumbs up, man. Hit that thumbs up. I need 1,000 likes minimum on tonight's show. Sponsored by my great friends over at Honey. Joinhoney.com slash off the scripts. Thanks to Honey, manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past. Honey is the free shopping tool. That scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart. Honey supports over 30,000 stores online. They range from gaming sites, tech, even fashion brands and food delivery. 
Now imagine you're shopping online at one of your favorite websites. And when you go to check out and you got your cart filled up, the honey button's gonna drop down and all you're gonna have to do is click. One click of a mouse, apply coupons. You're gonna wait a few seconds. Honey's gonna search the internet for coupons that it finds for that site. If Honey finds a working coupon for that site, you're gonna watch the prices drop and you're gonna save a ton of money using Honey. Now, I buy everything I need for my, I, I always mention my cats because they're one of the most important things in my life. Bailey, Bacardi, toys, food, cat beds, cat trees, no matter what, man. Off my favorite sites, I usually go and buy my fur babies whatever they need to be happy. And I saved a lot of money making them happy using Honey, man, no matter what it is for. Love it. Honey's found over 17 million members, over $2 billion in savings. And if you don't already have Honey, you could straight up be missing out. Why would you want to miss out? It's free. It installs in seconds. And by getting it, not only are you saving money for yourself, but you're doing me a solid and supporting off the script. And I never recommend. You guys know this about me, man. I'd never recommend anything I don't use. Get Honey for free. Join Honey.com slash off the scripts. And I want to thank them once again for sponsoring the podcast right here on Off the Script. Let's get into the Super Chats, guys. Appreciate you guys showing love and support this week. Tony Brown with a $4.99 Super Chat. He said, me was served. Telling you, man, AEW's got the grade A prime meat. Absolutely. Derek Anawaii. With a 99-cent Super Chat, it leaves me a frightened, scared emoji. And then he says, in a $2 Super Chat, I love you, Oos. Derek, shout out to you, brother. Derek is always very Oosy to the OTS family. Not today, Jay, with a 499 Super Chat. Do you believe with Vince and the investigation being over, do you believe he comes back to take control of WWE? Absolutely not. Not at all. They made him a deal. He cost the company $19.4 million. We'll drop the investigation if you stay the fuck away. Goodbye. I have nothing more to add about Vince McMahon, bro. He's dead to me. Goodbye. Drizzy Drew with a $4.99. With Jamie, I think she gets crowned champion next year. Setting Britt to drop it to her at the UK Stadium show next year. That's why they are holding off. So you think Britt is going to take the title from Tony Storm? First of all, we need to set up and plant seeds for that to happen. I don't know when the UK show is going to happen next year. I think they may do it at uh, the stadium that TK owns for his uh, soccer team out there. We got to set the tone, though. We have to have Britt cost Jamie accidentally the championship on full gear. So we need to set the table for that to be a thing. We need to start building frustration between Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker going into that show because it's long overdue, to be quite honest with you. But I could see that happening. I could see that happening. Joseph Taylor with a $7 Super Chat. I want Ricky Starks versus Bandito in the finals. I think that could be an awesome classic match. Likewise, Joseph Taylor, I think we may actually end up getting that, though Ethan Page, I think, deserves a shot. 
Nicholas, thank you for the new membership, brother. Jamarcus Shaw with a new member. Thank you, guys. What are you drinking tonight? Cheers. Sean Ray J with a $5 super chat. Tonight's no DQ match just proved how bad Ronda is in the ring. It's impossible for anyone to work well in the ring with her. Ronda sucks. Can't stand her. Montrell Rather with a $10 super chat. JD went from, quote, living in his mom's basement to living rent-free in the head of the AEW women's locker room. And if anything drew more people to JD's way, adding more subscribers and supporters. Indeed. I posted a clip online today from uh, something that someone sent me, man. There was this podcast called The Ten Counts. It literally took me 10 seconds to clip off how fucking absolutely nauseating this clip was. This guy sounded like, oh my God, Jade. Jade is so great for you to be here on my podcast. He sounded fucking absolutely nauseating. And then Jade, in the typical Jade Cargill fashion, the stereotypical Jade Cargill fashion, she went from criticizing me about criticizing her match. I criticized her match. So she criticized me in my podcast and said, I can't do a pull up, right? And I'm a mark and I live in my mother's basement. Then she goes on this guy's podcast and says, you know, we work in a business where we have to take criticism. If you can't take criticism, you know, blah, 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 blah. We have to take criticism very well. Meanwhile, she didn't take criticism very well because the whole fucking reason why everything started was because of her tweet. Ridiculous. Oh my God, Jane! Jane Cocky, oh my God! You're the leader of the locker room! It's so great that you're here! My God! That really makes me fucking proud to do what I do, man. Sounding as good as I do, looking as good as I do. And this guy is amongst fucking toys and rings and fucking action figures like a fucking geek. Willie Goat, new membership. Willie Goat, what are you drinking, brother? The one called Sash with a 99.99 super chat. Hey, JD, dropping a gift to prove my points. to Hulu Grip. What the fuck happened here, bro? You gotta, you gotta let me know. You gotta let me know. Appreciate the 99.99, brother. That's a lot of money, man. Thank you so much. BJ LJ with a new membership. Thank you, man. Sash with four months. So not only does he donate a hundred, a hundo, he is four months now. You were also great on that Dr. Evil Genius show. I knew a little bit about your early COD days, but yesterday you opened up and it was cool. Well, Genius is one of my guys, man. So whenever he needs me for something, I'll be there. And that was a good time. Really good time. Oh, Grim, I'm happy to hear that, bro. You squashed. That's good, man. Lord Jake Coy with a two in UK. Liv Morgan doesn't seem like a good actor to me. That may be it. That may be it, man. I don't know. There's something off about Liv Morgan. I don't know what it is, but it's not really. Uh, it's not really uh, hitting me. Heisenberg. 
four months. JD's the one who knocks. Thank you, Heisenberg, for four months, man. Happy to have you, bro. Keep doing your thing, Heisenberg. Antonio Munoz Jr. Munoz. New membership. Antonio, thank you so much, brother. What are you drinking tonight, man? Antonio's got that new microphone, that new, that new shiny microphone next to his name, man. Good to see it. Jamarcus Shaw with a 499 Super Chat. No message. Thank you, Jamarcus. Willie Goat with a 199. Shayna and Ronda, tag champs. Maybe. Maybe. The one called Sash. 1999 Super Chat. Was listening to one of the Wade Keller shows on podcast on his podcast, and his co-host mentioned what Usi means, and I had to Google it just to be sure what I heard. Usi is Samoan for pussy. Usi is Samoan slang for pussy. That's why they broke down laughing. It all makes sense now. It all makes sense. Thank you, Sash. Learn something new today from the one called Sash. I appreciate you, bro. Uh, DGK Dog with a 999 Super Jet. Maybe we get Ronda and Shayna versus Sasha and Naomi at some point. Also, I think it's possible Bailey beats Bianca for the title, and they say Becky to face Bailey at WrestleMania instead of Ronda. I don't know, man. I think Ronda's done after WrestleMania. So they're either doing it at WrestleMania or not at all. Which I can't see them not doing. Diesel, 3290 with the five months. Thank you, Diesel. Appreciate you, bro. Sorry, I've been missing. I am back in the hospital. Had emergency surgery. Then was in a coma for 10 days. I missed you all. Holy shit. Prayer emojis from my guy, Diesel, 3290. Happy that he's back home. Don Fanucci with a $10 Super Chat. Hey, JD, you're my favorite wrestling podcast in the whole damn IWC. Cheers to the entire OTS family. Drinking on some craft stout with tahini, tangerine, and chocolate flavors. OTS for life. That sounds delicious. Don Fanucci, you got some good taste, brother. Thank you so much, man. Isaac Smith with a $2 Super Chat. What's your cat's names? Mine are Bud and Jim. Mine are Bailey and Bacardi. Got to keep with the uh, cold beverage theme in this household. Sari Mohanty with a 179 in his currency and leaves no message. But then he leaves a follow-up, 179, and says, JD, my fave, wish you can become play-by-play for Monday Night Raw. Yeah, never going to happen, Sari. I'm sorry to disappoint you, bro. And then he says, JD should review Impact instead of Rampage. Now we 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 uh we don't we don't dwell on on impact here, bro. We don't uh, we don't meddle in impact here. Uh, Fightful reviewed impact last night, man. How many people they had watching their five their uh, Fightful live stream? Seventy. Fuck out of here, man. Fucking geeks over there. Uh, Daniel Rodriguez with a four ninety nine. JD enjoyed your two shows this past week with others, and thank you for retweeting my post about you. Always have your back. Best mind out there. Facts. Thank you, Daniel Rodriguez. I appreciate you, brother. 
And Sarit, thank you for the uh, super chats, bro. I really appreciate you too, man. Thank you for the three super chats. That means a lot to me. Tyler. Tyler, last minute, man. New membership makes it six for the night. Tyler, thank you so much, brother. What are you drinking tonight? And we just hit about two hours here, man. We're about to get out of here. I appreciate you guys. Uh, I will be setting the live stream up tomorrow morning, man. It would be uh, great if you guys RSVP to the live stream. We are going to do uh, Crown Jewel tomorrow afternoon. I'll be live tweeting. My iPad is ready to go. I'm ready to take some notes. Ready to have a good time tomorrow. I'll be live after the show is over, and then uh, I'm going to relax for the rest of the evening, and then I'll see you guys back on Sunday for episode 451 of the podcast. Should be a good time, bro. Good time. Anyway, guys, uh, let me talk to you. Let me talk to you. Um, keep an eye out, man. Keep an eye out for my social media. We're going to have uh, brand new exclusive merch that's going to be a limited timed release. I should have uh, a little bit of a teaser on social media this weekend. So keep an eye out for that. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Should be great, man. I've never done a limited time release like this, so uh, if you don't get it, it's gone. If you don't get it, you're never going to get it again. Also, make sure you guys go check out all the other content this week. We got a $100 super chat from Fiorius Nation. Oh, my goodness. What's up, JD? Very good SmackDown tonight. I do agree that Rampage was better than Dynamite this week. And man, your rant from Wednesday regarding Jade Cargill and Shavir was glorious. Hashtag JD was right. I got Jesse to thank for that, for being one of my best guys. And he really brought a lot of perspective to uh, everybody that uh, you may not have been thinking about. And we even brought more perspective to that with Don Tony, who even brought more to the table. About everything. Anyway, guys, uh, check out all that content. It's on the homepage right now. And please go check out that Forbidden Door podcast, man, with Don Tony and JD. Myself uh, and Don Tony had a blast. It's on his channel. Go check it out. And again, hit that thumbs up, guys. I need a 1,000 likes minimum. You guys are great. I'll see you tomorrow afternoon for Crown Jewel. I'll be live tweeting. We'll be live on YouTube after the show is over. I need those rock on emojis. I need those guitar emojis. I need those Mustang emojis in the chat. And I need that music on Max. Guys, I will see you tomorrow afternoon. Crown Jewel right here on Off The Script. I'll see you guys later.